What impact can the President of the United States have on our country? This is a serious question. Don't turn me off quite yet. I want you to think about this question. I'm going to challenge you, I hope, as you think about this man or this woman. In this case, it looks like this time around it will be a man, and that is just fine. But the question is, what impact can the President of the United States have on our country? With so many moving political parts needed to make our country function well, can one person make that much difference? Is it possible that we have placed too much weight on the president's job? I mean, he's not a king. And so this is a reflective question about any president's power, and it is worth considering. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I'm so glad that you are here. And if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this title. Does it really matter who becomes our next president? And the photograph uh, I think you will really resonate with for some of us. It's a guy screaming. But if you want to read the podcast, then please do that. And this may be a worthy conversation for some of you to have with some of your friends. There's two types of friends that you might want to talk to. Those who are really super frustrated about what's going on, so much so that their Christianity is not governing their hearts. And then the other kind of person that is struggling through this season is the person who is despairing, worrying, fearful, maybe even depressed. And so I want to, I'm not so much playing the devil's advocate in this podcast, but I just want to throw another angle out there with this reflective question. Does it really matter who becomes our next president? I also have my video here. Uh, it's from the article, A Christian Perspective on a Presidential Election. It is one of the more uh, popular articles and podcasts that people have listened to during this season, and it was it was so popular that I decided to do a video on it, and I did that several weeks ago. It's been sitting on YouTube for a while, but I have embedded it here inside this article, so if you want to watch that article slash podcast in video form, you can click on the button, and it will permit you to do that. I'm going to get into this in just one moment, but have you heard what's going on? We are rolling the sovereign dice. Now, Christians don't roll dice because we're we're Christians. And so we roll sovereign dice, and so we are trusting the Lord, and we are in process, even as I speak, to move all of our resources out in the public domain. All of my intellectual property, I am giving it giving it away. 60 years or, well, okay, 61 years of, of thought, reflection, prayer, trial, error, failure, success, a whole lot of suffering, all of that collected, and it it, it makes up my intellectual property, and I want you to have it, my thoughts on life and godliness. And so we're moving all of our resources, our webinars, mind maps, infographics, forums, charts, we're moving it all 
out from behind the paywall. We're rolling that sovereign dice and we're trusting the Lord that he will continue to provide for us as he has been uh, since July the 3rd, 2008, when we started this ministry. And so the video page is almost ready. We should have that up. God willing, less than a week from now, and you will be able to access every one of our videos from inside our website. I've seen the the demo of that, of what that page is going to look like, and I am really excited. I've been waiting for these days for a very, very long time so that we can give it all away. But because of the overhead of this ministry, it costs a lot of money to do all this, and it takes an incredible amount of time, and we do this with joy, but we're also realists knowing that we can't do it without you. And that's why Stacy and I, w- I want to thank you for your kind uh, gift that, that came in the mail, and, and your husband, thank you so much for your kind gift uh, just a few days ago. I'm very thankful for you and your ongoing support of this ministry. But I did want to let you know about that news. We are making it happen, and hopefully by the end of the year, uh, it that that is it should be a lot quicker than that i mean really quick cuz our our web dev guy is uh, i have yet to find anything that he cannot do as far as web development is concerned he is a magician and he can do some wonderful things and so we just say hey jonathan would you do this and jonathan can do it and he can do it quickly and so he is really doing a great job and by the way thank you for those of you who have commented on our website especially those of you who have been here from the beginning this is our fifth or sixth gen i did lose count but fifth or sixth generation website and and many of you have commented that you really like where it is. And as always, you know, a website is like is like your your home furnishings. Uh, you're always buying things. You're always rearranging the furniture. And so we have unlimited possibilities with our our website. So now that it is complete, we're starting to exercise some of those unlimited possibilities by adding things, moving the furniture around, removing some things, and uh, whatever it takes to make it better. And we have, right now, we have three different initiatives uh, that are going on at the same time. We're moving our resources out, what Jonathan is doing, and then Daniel. Daniel is working on our LMS. He is a web dev guy uh, that focuses exclusively on LMS, uh, the one that we use. And so he's working on that today and has been working on it for a week. We're getting ready to trot out some topical studies, some modular training. For those of you who can't or don't want to do the mastermind program, we're going to have some some one-off studies that you can do on all sorts of things. And then we have another group that is working on our forums. We want to continue to make our forums a better experience. So we're busy people behind the scenes, and I wanted to try that out there so that you would you would know that, that there's a lot going on. And I just want to thank you again for your support, and we are rolling the sovereign dice. It's all, it's all going to be yours, public domain. Enjoy. Share it with 1,000 of your closest friends. All right, the question is a serious question. I want you to f- reflect upon this. Does it really matter? Who becomes our next president? I remember sitting in my office. I was uh, running a recycling 
organization for Alcoa Corporation uh, back in 1992. It was during my college days. That's the job I had. I, I recycled aluminum cans. I know a lot about aluminum cans, by the way. But I remember sitting in my office on a Wednesday morning, 1992. I was, I was totally shocked. I could not believe what just happened. It was the day after Bill Clinton won the presidential election. The American people had spoken, and he became our next president. I was a young man with significant hope in the American public and the political process. How how naive. I also followed the Lord and knew that God would swing the election to my preference. It reminds me of two Christians on opposing sports teams. You thought about that before, right? You have the guy on on one team, he's sitting on the bench, and he's praying, Dear Lord, let our team win. And then someone on the other team, a believer, and he's praying, Dear Lord, let our team win. I mean, this is not a Solomon thing. I mean, it just doesn't work out according to your expectations all the time. Both are praying for a victory, but only one will win. And so I needed to rethink whose side the Lord was on. I also needed to think about his mysterious purposes for all of humanity and how there are times that he will raise a political authority that transcends my prayers and preferences and I might say dashes my my prayers and my and my preferences. It reminds me of Exodus 9, 9, 16. It says, For this purpose I have raised you up, talking about Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Sometimes the Lord may permit a, a particular political person to rise up, and it might not be according to your prayers, preferences, and expectations. Well, that was 1992, and I'm no longer a young man, and my confidence in the American electorate, well, it has shrunk to what I believe to be more reasonable expectations. Governing my optimism with contoured biblical wisdom brings more comfort to me now than my youthful idealism did back in the day. You know you have biblical rest when you can juxtapose his ways over your ways when a political outcome is not to your liking. And if you can juxtapose those two things, his ways over your ways and how biblical rest, especially when his ways are counter to your ways. And so a good question for you to think about in, in this podcast is, are you at peace despite our current political climate? Back in the day, it was surreal that Bill Clinton would govern our country. It was almost depressing. I'm, I'm going back to that day, sitting in my office, thinking about what, was, what I thought was going to happen in the future and, and how I felt in the moment. Because my faith was in God then and now, I did not drown in despair, though I was closer to it than I cared to be. It took me several days to shake the funk from my soul. What was our country coming to with that kind of uh, electoral outcome? Uh, What are we in for with that 
president? Will we ever recover from what is clearly a political mistake? Today, I think about these things as our country is speeding toward another tumultuous election with an uncertain outcome. This time, the difference is not so much about a poor candidate versus a better or best candidate. The decision and the difference is it's about which flawed person do you want to be our next president. Now, hopefully, my post-election blues this November won't be as disturbing since I've been here before. I'm older now, and I should be wiser. The crucial reaction this time around is to take my thoughts captive proactively, and may I make that appeal to you as well? If your thoughts are wandering off into places that may end up in despair or discouragement or sinful anger, what if you became proactive about capturing those thought arguments and bringing them into the obedience of Christ before they rise up and take your mind captive and develop a stronghold from where it might be hard to extricate yourself in the future? You don't have to wait until the morning after where your mind might spin out of control. There is wisdom in being preventative about a possible adverse outcome than waiting until the crisis is here and then scrambling to reorient yourself. No, preventative is wisdom. Preventative is right. Proactivity is wise. Now, in addition to proactive thought captivity... I have actually been prayerfully considering how to think about what the Lord is allowing our country to go through, which brought me to a significant question at the title of the podcast, How Much Does It Matter? Who Becomes Our Next President? I mean, really? Now, this question brings you to two proverbial ditches that could prove to be a trap. Ditch number one, this person thinks the president matters more than he or she does, and they lose hope, which keeps them living a sub-Christian life because of their high view of the political system rather than the Lord controlling them, their thoughts, attitudes, words, etc. And so that's ditch one, high view of the political system and whoever gets the nod. And then ditch number two, this person believes the president doesn't matter at all, which could motivate them to take a passive approach to political and cultural engagement. And so as you think about this question, does, does the president matter, those are the two ditches that you want to guard your heart from, against, and stay out of. Now, somewhere between these two ditches is the not-so-easy-to-locate ground where you have to figure out how much it matters versus how much it does not. After living through the administrations of nearly a dozen presidents, yeah, I am that old— I know that the president is not as crucial as some overstressed and over-angry Christians 
believe. The president is merely a man or a woman who embodies most of the country who supports him. We tend to target him as though he were a king, when the real problems and solutions are more within our power to change. I want to share with you two quotes about placing too much importance on the person in the office, which will turn you into a ranter rather than a problem solver if you are one of those people that places too much importance on the president. This first one is from Bernadette Myler, and she says this, Well, I really believe that the president isn't as significant as we imagine him or her to be. We think of the president as having great power to fix the economy, for example, or fix international conflicts, and to some extent the president has the persuasive authority to do things like that, but the president really just can't turn around and fix the economy within two years, for example. Now, that's a reasonable thought there, Bernadette Myler. And then John Ashcroft, he said this, When we think of our earliest presidents and the great heroes that, that we have as presidents, most of them are remembered not so much for their governances as they are for their leadership. If you think about George Washington, I mean, few people can mention any of the laws that were passed under his time as president, but they know what he stood for and the kind of moral tone that he brought to America, and that's from John Ashcraft. That, that's also a reasonable quote for reflection, pondering. Now, I realize there's tension here. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Some people read too fast. Some people listen too fast. Some people target buzzwords, and once they target the buzzword, they attach themselves to that and miss the context and really miss what I am saying. I am not saying the president does not matter, but I am talking to the person who makes the president matter too much. It's easier to complain about him than it is to actively engage your sphere of influence, helping one person at a time to change, which will impact the collective and potentially bring the best kind of president to lead the majority. And I'm afraid that's what happens too often. And because of social media, well, we live in a ready-fire-aim social media culture now, and we're creating, if we didn't already have the habituation of being quick to speak and slow to listen, well, we have, it is exponentially worse than it has ever been before because social media is in process of training us to really kick our brains in neutral and just react, and we are, a without question, a culture of reactionaries. And so it becomes easier to complain, and to fire off something rather than slow down, think reflectively, spend time engaging your sphere of influence. Of course it matters who will be our next president. And though he can't change things as a king can, he does mirror the majority and represents the people's will. If the people continue down an immoral path, for example, 
then that kind of person will always be our figurehead. He will always be our reflection. But to sit back as though the president is the be-all, end-all is wrong-headed. And it will reduce you to a despairing complainer, not an active transformer. Somewhere between overinflating the position and lowering the bar to the ground is wisdom. If, you, if you're passive or unconcerned about political matters, you're part of the, part of the problem. I don't mean that unkindly, I don't mean it harshly, but if you're passive or unconcerned about the political issues that are going on in our culture, culture you're part of the problem. I remember in 2015 when the, uh, the, the gay marriage uh, law was, was implemented, and I think it was 2015, and, and that just became the law of the land. And there were, there were so many Christians that were, that were just taken aback that this had happened, and what they many of them didn't realize is that that was— an active 50-year plan to come to that particular day when gay marriage would be legalized across the country because that constituency, that lobby, was not passive and not unconcerned. And my, my concern is that too many Christians have lived in this idea that that everything is just going to continue as it always has been and and what's ironic here is that we're the ones that separated church and state in our own minds based on our inactivity. Uh, the, the other religions, the, the gay religion, the, the far-left religion, these are, these are religions too in a sense. Well, they haven't separated their religion from politics. No, they have melded those things together, and they have been actively for decades working to get their agendas pushed across the legal finish line, and then we're all sitting there shocked. And when you begin to examine the issues, one of the things that you realize is that, well, we've been a little bit too passive and, and unconcerned about political matters, which has made us part of the problem. If you're grumbling about the state of the union, well, you're not passive or unconcerned, but now you're, you're in the other ditch. Well, that makes you part of the problem, too. When you're sinfully angry about what is going on, that does not work toward redemptive conclusions. And so these attitudes, these two attitudes, passivity, unconcern, or grumbling, you know, they're like children who check out from the family or complain about it. You have two kinds of children, and those are two possible responses when they don't like what's going on in the greater dynamic. Neither one, the, per, the, the child who checks out or the child who engages sinfully, will cooperate with the Lord in the betterment of the whole. If you're going to cooperate with the Lord in the betterment of the whole, then you can't be passive and unconcerned, and you can't be sinfully angry because it will be disruptive on one end, or it will allow your opposition to make tremendous headway because you chose to sit on the sidelines. The one right answer is to examine your heart to see who controls it. If the Lord is pulling your heartstrings then you are experiencing happiness, 
joy, rest, peace, contentment. And if these traits are not how someone would characterize you, there is work that must happen. And when I talk about having happiness, joy, rest, peace, contentment, or or any other trait, whether it's positive or negative, I typically frame it in the idea of characterization. Characterization is a pattern. How would people characterize you? What is your normal day-to-day pattern? That is different from an episode, because I know there can be moments where you're not happy, you don't have joy, you're not at rest, not at peace, and you're not contented in the moment. And that's why when you're looking at someone, you're looking at their ongoing trend over a period of weeks, months, and years. And that's why when I talk about happiness, joy, rest, peace, contentment, or other such traits, I typically frame it in with the idea of characterization because I know that we all face plant, we have bad hair days, we trip and fall and just can't get it on the right way on any particular day. But when someone looks at you, your trend over a period of weeks, months, and years, are you characterized as a person who is happy? joy, joyful, restful, peaceful, contented. From your heart flows all your attitudes and words and actions. As the Lord is stabilizing your heart, you're in the right spot to activate your faith to help change those within your sphere of influence. And as you do that, perhaps you will get a president who represents the things that you cherish. The title of the podcast is, Does It Really Matter Who Becomes Our Next President? Well, the answer to the question is yes and no. And I trust that you'll spend some time reflecting over this. And I want to ask you, as a wrap-up, I want to ask you a few questions. I won't be able to get through all of them because I have six, and they're under three different categories. I have two questions under sovereignty two questions under responsibility, and two questions under speech. And so let me hit the sovereignty questions uh, first. And I trust, I mean, you can copy and paste these on your computer. You can just pull up the article and read them. Uh, You can pull up your mobile device, and you can share these in a small group context, and it would really, really be, I think, a fantastic Maybe too emotional for some of you, for some of your groups and some of your constituency, because they they haven't they're, they're not really governed by the Lord. They're governed by politics, pun intended. All right, so sovereignty questions. God is in charge. There is no discussion. There is no further argument needed. I'm a sovereignist, most of all. God mocks all rulers who are against him. Psalm 2.4, you love this verse. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. In God I trust. All right, so under sovereignty, here's your question. Do you find more rest in the Lord than the outworking of our political system? That's a closed-in question, so let me follow up. You say yes, you say no. The follow-up is, explain your answer. Would others affirm your answer based on the words you've said to them over the past several weeks or months or the things that you posted on social media? That is the way to diagnose. That's the way to find the answer to the question. The question is, do you find more rest in the Lord than the outworking of our political system? Explain your answer. 
And there's a couple of ways to do this. Ask your friends based on the things you've said to them or the things that you put on social media. And the second sovereignty question, how how would those who know you best answer that question? And so now I want to push it. Here's my appeal. Will you ask a close friend about this? Someone who's not afraid to tell you their unedited perspective, not the rubber stamper, not, 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 not that friend who, who is a little bit timid and inhibited from speaking the truth, uh, but that person who has the courage to say, yo, bro, uh, it's like, nah, I've been reading your social media posts. You're, you're a little, it's not helpful. It's divisive. You're just a little too ranty, a little too grumbly. And so those are the sovereignty questions. And the primary one is, are you finding more rest in the Lord than the outworking of our political system and process? Number two is a responsibility question. One of the ways God works out His plans in our lives and the world is through the agency of humanity. I mean, that's just the way it is. Go, make disciples, kind of clear. A passive Christian, when it comes to cultural engagement, is an oxymoron. Here's your question. Are you actively engaging your culture with the Christian message? In your culture, maybe you're a cul-de-sac. It may be three neighbors. It may be people at the grocery store, at the bank, wherever it is that you go within your sphere of influence. Are you actively engaging your culture with the Christian message? That's a closed-ended question, yes or no. And so I follow up with this. Explain your answer. In what specific ways are you an influencer for Christ. Now, I have more questions here, and I have another couplet under the uh, category of speech. The three couplets are sovereignty, responsibility, and speech. You're welcome to read these. You can watch this video. It's just under 20 minutes on a Christian perspective on a presidential election. And as always, we are here for you. Stacy and other folks who underwrite this ministry, they have provided you a free community forum where you can come be part of our greater community and you can talk uh, to us and ask your questions and interact with us. It's been happening today. It happens virtually every day, and we would love to engage you with whatever is on your mind. It could be about this political process we're in or something else. Thanks so much for listening.